Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What a Global turbulence continues to rock the preseason. Arsenal try to unite the fan base by delivering a number 10 we can all get behind. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Um, some of it not so great, obviously. Uh, and Arsenal canceling the Florida Cup is devastating for some people who are going to get a chance to see Arsenal for the first time. And for some people who are going to get to see Arsenal for another time. I, I, I know that there are a lot of people listening for whom going to see the Arsenal is just a daily part of life. And uh, a thing that maybe is even taken for granted, or not even taken for granted, but just something they really enjoy, uh, a lot of people around the world don't get a chance to see Arsenal. And uh, here in America, obviously, the chance to get to see them, even in a preseason game, even in, in preseason games that probably wouldn't feature some of the most exciting players. It's still a chance to be by your team, by the manager, by the club, you know, and, and, and feel connected to it. And so to anybody listening who was planning to be there, uh, really, really sorry for you. I actually had booked tickets and a hotel. And imagine this, got a media credential. So I was ready to like turn evil, go to the bad side, become a big J journalist, do that whole thing. And uh, I blame myself for this being canceled because once people found out about that, they were probably like, we can't let that happen. We have to cancel it. So yeah, bad news all around, pretty disappointing. I understand the reason why it has happened, but it doesn't change the fact that for a lot of people, it's a big disappointment and, and won't get to see one another. Hopefully, hopefully, a lot of you who are not able to do that will be with us in Vegas and, and we'll see you there. We do have the open bar party Saturday night that is now officially booked and I'm really excited about that because uh, what I am sure of is that all of us packed together in a bar with uh, unlimited drinks and food will handle that in a responsible manner. That'll go great. So uh, we're going to talk about other things. We will talk about that a little bit just in terms of what it means for our preseason plan in general. But I think we're going to start with the breaking news about Emil Smith-Rowe and then do a lot on transfers. It says here we will talk Aaron Ram- Ramsdale and Jordan, Hend- Jordan Henderson. Whew, yeah, uh, tra- tra- transfer season's turned a bit dark, friends. But we're, we're going to go there and talk about all of it. If you want to hear the Chelsea perspective on Tammy Abraham, it is very hard to talk to a Chelsea fan, but sometimes you have to do it. Uh, over on the Patreon side, we have an interview with uh, the host of London is Bleh. Bleh. You get it. Um, uh, podcast and gave us a really interesting look at Tammy Abraham. And it sounds like they'll be really sad to see him go. So, I mean, that'll make you happy if you want to listen to that. Okay, Paul's here. He's on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Paws. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Last little note. Uh, over on the shop, we launched our Martinelli shirt. We launched some additional uh, podcast supporting stuff, which is kind of cool. And um, the Smith Row, the Smith 10 mug which is is out. So if you want to celebrate him officially getting the 10, if you were holding fire to see if he got it, he got it. You can get that. And we have a little bit left of the limited edition, the Smith shirts and uh, hoodies and long sleeve, a couple left. So if you want to do that, it's uh, avpodcastshop.com or you can go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com and just click shop. So uh, thanks to anyone who's done that. And we will do uh, all kinds of fun designs. If you have ideas, just ask Brandon. He'll get to work on it. We 
We have a very, very, very funny Aubameyang design. Uh, you know what? I'll just tell you what it is. Because, so, you know, you can't use the likeness of the players. So, guys, the, the Aubameyang shirt is going to be an overhead picture of a bunch of um, London black taxis, right? With a multicolored uh, Lamborghini stuck in traffic in the middle of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, look for that coming soon. The Martinelli one is for you stat heads. You're going you're gonna to love it. It's a, a send-up of the FB ref stuff. So, anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, Clive. I mean... I am a avowed Smith Rowe lover. I am the one on the pod who said I would be okay with Arsenal rolling the dice on Smith Rowe and not getting a number 10. Well, we got a number 10, but it is Smith Rowe. So first, before we get into what this means maybe for, for the plans, um, what what are your thoughts on Arsenal rewarding Emil Smith Rowe? To be fair, pretty early on, having not played a lot for us, but having impressed, rewarding him with a new contract and the 10 shirt. We No word yet on whether he plays Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it feels quite good, isn't it? It feels quite good, but I've I, I got to be true to myself. Um, I think I would have liked him not to have taken ten. You know, I just think um, I just I just feel that way. I think he could he could have took eight, and it would have been absolutely fine, or eleven. Um, I think by taking a ten, I think it's, that's great if he wants to do that. There's no big deal. Middle-aged man says, "Don't take ten shirt shock." I mean, no, no, no one cares, right? Who, but, who should get the ten but, shirt? <laughs> if not, if not. Well, I, I think if I'm honest with you, I think it's a, it's, it's a, for a big money signing. <laughs> oh, okay. He says that's coming around the corner, mm. without knowing if there is going to be one. You know, so that's how I feel about it for somebody in their mid twenties who's got a track record delivery. But hey, look, it's not a big deal. Trust me, it isn't. As a footballer, I, I find him really interesting and to see how he develops and to see what he becomes. And the 10 sort of tells me that that's a little, almost a bit restrictive because <laughs> I actually think he can be a, a very, very good attacking eight. You know, and I, I To think be fair, Clive, be we gave a two. center back the 10, so it doesn't necessarily yeah, restrict yeah. him that much. <laughs> and that really bothered me. Yeah. You know, I tell you now, that really bothered me. And, and so, but hey, this is nothing like that. And I just think it could be a really good attacking eight. And how he develops as he goes forward, he's, he's going to be one to watch. You know, him and Saka, they can do a lot of things. It's going to be interesting to see what they settle on as their true selves. Now, I, I happen to think Saka's much better off the left. Some people say he's unbelievable on the right. Am I saying that because I like Pepe? Smith Rowe, I think he's quite good on the left, but I think he's really good as a 10. But we don't really play a 10. We use a 10 to go and overload either sides. But he's a good two-way player. When we go 4-3-3, can he be a left eight? I bet he can. Can he be a right eight? I bet he can. And so all this stuff, we're going to find out in the next five to six years. And it's really exciting. In some ways, don't shoehorn him in with, a, with a thought process. Just watch him go, watch him develop, see his physicality change, his confidence change, and his responsibility placed upon him how he coped with that, see that change. And he's, we spoke before the podcast about his influence. His influence is already amazing at such a, such a young age. That's only going to grow. You know, then if that grows to what we think is going to grow, this little conversation about number 10 doesn't really mean much, right? Because he will be running the show. You know, so, um, so yeah, I think it's a good day for us fans. We should enjoy it. We should enjoy it. It is indeed. I'm, I'm really happy about it. <clears throat> and I'm not usually happy. So I just want you to understand. I feel really good about this. Look, the one thing I want to say about, you know, is he too young for it? Should he have waited? Agents have a job. And part of an agent's job is to maximize earning and brand building for their client. And it is pretty clear that Smith Rose agent did some work here, right? He did some work on Aston Villa for starters. And he did some work to get him a new deal. And 
I'm sure getting him the 10 was part of that because that is a very marketable thing, right? Arsenal's number 10 is something you can really market uh, with image rights and things like that. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't know if the timing is necessarily right for him getting the 10, but I can understand why it's happening. Paul, I, I do tend to get out over my ski tips, he says, tapping the bingo mug, but I, I think... You know, everybody has Bukayo Saka as the obvious star of the young group. Mm-hmm. I think between Smithrow, Saka, and Martinelli, if you told me any one of those three wound up being the superstar of the group, I'd believe you. I think they all have that ceiling. And for me, the way he quickens the tempo, even just watching him in preseason, again, immediately gets your eyes open, gets gets the ball moving towards the goal, wants to get into the box to score goals. I think the ceiling on Smithrow is incredibly high, and... I think what we're going to have to really wrestle with now is, are we prepared to just roll the dice on his fitness? Because, you know, I I certainly think he can be as good as someone like a James Madison, um, maybe even as soon as this season. So where do you stand on what the ceiling is for Smith-Rowe, maybe as soon as this season, and whether or not we really... I know you felt strongly we had to go get another Mm -hmm. guy for that position to Mm -hmm. share time with him. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, yeah, I just... A bit like the conversation around the number 10 shirt, uh, like I've mixed feelings on it. Um, uh, I'm with Clive. That's my first reaction. The uh, that's, that's a big shirt to put on a young guy who's just coming through and just starting to prove himself. On the other hand, I like the fact, like, his agent wanted it. I can see that. But he also said, and I quote, I want to be a legend here, and that hasn't changed. I mean, I those are words I'm not expecting Smith Road to come out with and I like it because I think he has a quietness about him. I think um like if I look at Ramsey uh when he was a kid coming through at Arsenal, I thought he was a little quiet. And it turns out he's just a, he just didn't say <laughs> say too much. The other kind of quiet. He very tough character, belief in himself um and you need that. And like I don't know I'm not saying Smith Rowe and Ramsey have the same mentalities they won't but maybe he's growing as he goes and he kind of has this this quietness about him but there's a strength behind it i mean you have to have it to get to that level especially because he wasn't always the one at the lower levels that everybody thought was going to be a superstar um he worked incredibly hard everywhere he goes anybody who's he's worked for uh i think the cowleys had him at uh, huddersfield um, the feedback he got from his um, RB Leipzig gig, even though he didn't play much, they loved him. They wanted him. They were going to make an offer for him, and he he only ever really trained for them. Uh, he's just got a really good uh, application, quietness, but maybe the strength is there. And I like the fact that he said, you know, he wants to be a legend. Um and the fact that he wanted the 10 and his agent wants the 10, I guess the other thing is uh, it's a good kind of uh, snooker move. If you've got the 10, then the guy coming in uh, later on this summer doesn't get the 10. I could see why Smith Rowe doesn't want anybody else getting the 10. Uh, I don't know if you can put that in a contract. Um, look, I in terms of his season this year, I do, I, a bit like Clive, I don't want to load too much on him. I think he needs an Odegaard or another player to share roles, responsibilities. While we can't project fitness, we can't project this is the year he hits big. Um, it's all going very well. Uh, I almost feel 
don't screw around with a winning formula. And that winning formula was him and an Odegaard and them sharing time, possibilities, positions. He can, he's still developing and can play at least three positions. Um, there's lots of minutes here still. If we, if we don't, if we don't buy everybody we're rumored with, there'll still be plenty of time for him on the pitch. Um, and he can grow into it. And I feel he's growing really, really nicely. But he did that with, you know, he didn't play all the minutes from December 26th onwards. I think there was something like, whatever, 24 games after that point. And he didn't play all the games. He didn't have full fitness. Uh, but he played a big chunk. of. I think he played 1,500 minutes or thereabouts in two-thirds of a season. Uh, and the most anybody played was 2,500 minutes. Uh, that was Saka. Um, so, you know, if you scale that up uh, with Odegaard around, he still pl- he probably would have come out with, what would that be, about 2,200 minutes mm. compared to the max. So, like, a, you could get a really good mix with him and an Odegaard in the team, and I think that's right from next year. And if he, if he goes big and everything he touches is gold and his fitness is wonderful... Yeah, let her roll. Play him all the games. I mean, it's just tough, right? He really only has to play once a week. That's really it. And you do get into a position where you're like, are we going to drop 50 or 60 million to get a guy who's going to be on 200 grand a week to play a position that Smith Rowe might be ready to play at the very same level right now in a season when we don't even have the the midweek games to spread it around and, and, and care for his development. I mean, the downside of being out of Europe, I know there's upsides, but the downside is you, you can't sort of build your squad with the idea that the young guys are going to find minutes in midweek games and they will sort of earn their way into being weekend players, but you still have places to give them real quality minutes and develop them. I don't... Because here's the thing, right, Paul? Like... If you spend 50 or 60 million pounds on a guy who plays a position similar to what Smith Rowe's going to play, that's mm-hmm. not a guy you can just be like, well, Smith Rowe developed into the better player, actually, so now we'll just move that guy on. That guy's going to be here a while. And suddenly, yep. you know, you know, and I get it, like big clubs, City, Chelsea, United, they don't worry about these sort of things, but they also don't have the same budgetary concerns. And I certainly don't think you want to be in a situation where a very good, but maybe not elite James Madison is suddenly potentially standing in the way of maybe a more elite academy guy ready to to just break out um well i think the other thing you got to do though i mean let's say you get in your 60 million dollar number 10 like we're playing for this year and for next year getting into europe and you got to think a little bigger than just the minutes this year and if we had i don't know say we got james madison and they've to share between the two of them they're different enough kinds of players i mean you know, Smith Rowe's shtick won't work every game. He'll get tired. He'll get jaded. The load on him to be the creator at Arsenal. Say, say we go through a bad run of ten games and it's a shit storm like last year. That's a lot of pressure for a ten, for a, a twenty-year-old wearing the number ten shirt to be the guy who's not producing at Arsenal uh, when everything's gone down the toilet and we got no other creativity options. It, it's just. It's too big a risk. It could go great, but it could go shit. And the thing about Smith Rowe is he's a very particular, unique, odd kind of a number 10. He does it by certain methods 
that are totally different to what a nozzle would do for you or a Madison. And you need different looks against different attacks. You sub somebody on, you, you move somebody to a different position. I think he'll have loads of opportunity. And when we're back in Europe next year, hopefully, and we have a Madison or an Odegaard and a Smithrow, that won't seem like a problem. There'll be loads of games. Yeah, well, and we also know that Smithrow is going to play some on the left because <laughs> yep. he has and Arteta likes him there. Clive, I think, you know, the other thing, too, is sometimes math can help, even though I hate it. Um, if you take the 10, the left forward, the right forward, and the striker, and 38 Premier League games, you got a little over 13,000 minutes to spread around. If you spread it around between six people, you have about 2,200 minutes to share. Seven people, about 1,900 minutes to share. So if everybody stayed fit and everybody shared the minutes, everybody's still getting around 2,000 league minutes. But if somebody gets injured, which inevitably happens, you know, or somebody really dominates, okay, then one player's getting closer to 2,800 and another guy's down around 14 or 1,500. It's not the end of the world. So <clears throat> even though we do tend to worry about these issues, as long as the coach does a good job of riding hot hands but giving opportunities and, and letting that front four be malleable, you know, now we can discuss whether a malleable front four leads to consistency, cohesiveness, and success. But I do think that it can be fine either way. For you with Smith Rowe, as great as he can be and as ready as he looks, I think quality-wise, to potentially go there, would you still want to add in that position? Yeah, I would. And um, you, still, you sort of nailed it, really. I think I would like to add one more. Everyone's talking about Madison at the moment. Let's, let's just talk about Madison. You know, I think... <clears throat> That type of player, who, who, by the way, doesn't see himself as a 10. You know, he sees himself as an attacking midfielder, and he can also play off the left. I love these players that can play multiple positions and create different faces for the opposition. So yeah. those sort of clever players around the last third, I really, really like. And smith is a good example of that. So, yeah, I, I just see it as a, as a next phase, and I'm not worried. I, I do think the way football's going athletically, you almost need to rest people, you know. You just, you, you just do, you know. Bukayo Saka, you know, we we shouldn't really want to see him for quite a while. That kid really does need to keep his flip flops on a little bit longer, you know. And it, it's it's important that we look after him because he's gone through a lot, a lot. And so we may not see him for a little while. And other people have got to pick up the slack. Marcel is away at the Olympics, you know. So again, that's two out of our three young superstars that's just not around. So straight away, we've got a little bit of a, not say a problem, but we've got a bit of a hole. Balogun we're learning about. That's another one, right? So, we again, we can't put too much on him. So you do need it. You do need it. Things can change in a calf strain, as we saw towards the end of last season. Our season basically derailed on the back of Louise, Lacazette, and Tierney getting injured at the same time. And we didn't cope with it. And we're now in not in Europe. You know, so everything looks nice on paper, but things happen that you can't control. And if you've got people to backfill that, and everyone's on the same project, everyone knows what they're trying to achieve, I think it makes sense. And your point about hot hand is really, really important. You have got to ride that. You've got to make sure you know which one of them's in the right place physically, the right place form-wise. And I think it's important you deploy these weapons appropriately on the day they should be deployed. And they've got to be comfortable sitting and waiting. And something we always forget about, and when you talk earlier and all of us talk together, we never we never focus on how we finish a game. Mm. There's something in football called substitutions, right? And um, I know 
I know our coach doesn't really do it till the eighty second minute. But if you're in a game, that's a lie. He he uh, he does more subs than anybody else, and he does them earlier than most. Can you can you stay out of the way of our narrative when it's forming? Thank you. Okay, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, Elliot. (laughs) I think um, I I I listen to you talk, Elliot, and I think you forget about the substitutions, you know, and how you start a game and how you finish a game is completely different and. You know, if we're if we're playing the game and we start off with Saka, Smith Rowe in behind, let's say we start off with Saka one side, Pepe the other side, and Smith Rowe in behind, and we're, towards the end of the game we bring on Martelli left side, and bringing Madison in behind just for one, and it's like it's a whole different ball game. You're ending with real, you know, real quality, mm-hmm. right? And so I watch rugby a lot, and you know the whole start and finish your thing. The British Lions are playing this weekend. And on the bench, they've got some really top players to close out a game with control because they're experienced captains of their countries. I mean, this is serious. And they, they're looking to a certain thing in the first hour and another thing in the last half hour. And so this is where sport is going. And I think we need to be comfortable with it. We need to be comfortable. We may need to play in, well, we already do play in 25-minute bursts, don't we? I mean, literally, and Euros is another thing that showed us Teams are playing in bursts, in moments, and then they control the game afterwards. So the game is changing. The, the, the requirements and the players are changing. The physical requirements, the mental requirements, the mental stresses, particularly with social media. We have to protect these jewels, and that's why I think we need another player to come in. I think that's well said. Um, and uh, uh, Paul, I'll let you back in. I just want to make one really, really important point that can't wait for you, Paul, which is on Twitter... Andrew, you may know him as Arsblog, when they announced Smithrow was the 10, came up with the very witty comment, Smithrow 10, Aston Villa nil. Cease and desist. You will be hearing from my attorney, which is me. And he's incompetent, so you will be fine, Andrew. Go ahead, Paul. I just wanted to quickly say, like, because we're going to rip into our club and how shit we are and how terrible we are at transfers all summer, because that's the sport. Um, Summer's the time when young men's thoughts turn to transfers, as somebody once said. So we're going to really tear into them all summer. But they've done very, very, very good at keeping our young players coming through. One more. They got Balogun. They got Smithrow. re-upped Saka you know they keep getting these guys of, co- of course they'll be the ones you lose but that's the nature of the way things are at the moment you know props to the club they took care of this they kept it safe I, I never thought it was in doubt but one, I, part of the reason I never thought it, in de- it was in doubt is because the club has done good consistently on this so fair fucks to them now let's rip into them on something else okay I I I want to be clear. I totally agree with you, right? Like, like the, the yeah. funny thing is, in a weird turn that hasn't really been the case down the years, Arsenal's best stuff lately is the academy and the people we've acquired at very, very young ages, like Martinelli, right? Like Guendouzi, but yeah. what happened with Guendouzi was, was not our fault. But, I mean, the talent ID, the price is uh, paid. I think we should the, say, like Guendouzi, asterisk. And we all know what the asterisk, what the asterisk is, is, Yeah, right? perfect. I love it. He was a great so, buy. Yeah, exactly. We got I mean, loads of mileage out of them. We, we've done pretty well in that area. The irony is we've just sucked at the at the big calls, which, unfortunately, that's how you wind up eighth in consecutive seasons. So I think as we get ready to set Smithrow aside, I think all I will say is when we do our season preview pod where we talk about what we expect from the season, like 
my breakout candidate is Smith Rowe. I think he is ready to explode. I would pick Martinelli, but I'm still not totally sure what his opportunities are going to look like. But, I mean, this is how you do it. If you really want to build an unexpected dynasty at Arsenal that no one saw coming, like the Spanish Inquisition, for example, our three main weapons are Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith Rowe, <laughs> and Gabriel Martinelli. Yeah. And Fuller and Balogun, our four main weapons. <laughs> okay, um, enough. Yeah. Now, enough I just got to point Elliot. out, yeah. Elliot, mm-hmm. you're a year behind me, right? Yeah, I, I know you, I, you did. I, I know you did, and, and you were right. Time. You were right. <laughs> okay, um, good. So, okay, so 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 let's let's move on. I mean, I could talk about Smith Rowe this whole podcast. I think he has all all the tools, and love him, love him. Uh, yeah, love him to death. The, the stats don't love him, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, and you know what, by the way, the people who are like, you know, look at our ambitions sinking. You're giving the 10 to a guy who's played half a season and he's 20 and he hasn't done. Like, if you're going to root for anything at Arsenal right now, root for the academy kids. Because these guys are good. They're talented. You know, look at what we've done in other places. Do you want to root for the Williams? I mean, you kind of, I, I get it. You kind of have to, you know, or, or the, the over 30 crowd or, the, you know, the guys that are, that are. Not really quite as good as we'd like them to be. I don't know. I, I you got against old people. I mean, being one of them, <laughs> namely mostly. Um, okay, let's get <laughs> to the really depressing. Though, this, yeah, this is what we got to do, isn't it? We got to unblock. We got to unblock the end of the pitch with Lacazette, William, and Eddie and Ketia. We got to the unblock. The face has got really crusty at the. Yeah, we got to unblock because we won't be able to see what we want to be. With those three players still at the club, and we need to we need to do that because that's going to put pressure on people to deliver. Otherwise, we may as well loan out Balogun. You know, if Lacazette's going to sit down his money, so we've got to unblock this to really see what's ahead. Then we, when we do bring in somebody, I'm just saying for where we are today with today's rumours, I believe 100%. When we do bring in a Madison, we can all see why. We can all see where the meets are going to be shared. So um, that's what we need to do next. Yeah. Well. Okay. So. Real quick, before we get on to the transfer rumors, because um, I, I definitely want to talk about Aaron Ramsdale and Jordan Henderson, because that, that gets your blood pumping, but not, not necessarily in a good way. Um, Clive, just quick on the Florida Cup. It, it is devastating news, and, and you know I, I said what I had to say at the beginning of the pod in terms of feeling really badly for the people that are not going to get the chance to see the club and see the players and you know, join up together and have that meet up and... I feel badly about that, but let's set that aside for a minute, because I think everybody sort of understands. Let's just talk about what it means for Arsenal. This is obviously a very important season. They all are, but you know there, there's a lot riding on this for Arteta. There's a lot riding on this for sort of the, just the club being able to show that it can get back to being relevant. And we have no Europe, so we need to get Europe back. But we also need to leverage that into you know maybe a better league season by having that that time to prepare for our league games. And Clive, one thing that I think we all felt was, hey, pandemic's done. Really good preseason ahead, and we hit the ground running. And the business isn't totally done. And some players who played in the Euros aren't going to be back in time. Martinelli winds up getting the call up to the Olympics, so he's gone. Ben White, if he gets signed, not going to be with us for a bit. We're not going to have Saka for a while. And now, you know, a big chunk of our preparation plans in Florida, including two games that would have been a fairly decent step up in level, I'm guessing, that's off. How nervous are you? If you if you had to, I don't know, embrace the whiskers philosophy how how worried are you that the preseason is starting to look a little bit disrupted and becomes an obstacle to to really hitting the ground running with a first three fixtures that's you know a little bit intimidating you know brentford notwithstanding they're all intimidating when we every game can be big 
hey mate, we just come out of a Euros, which is one year's delayed, right? So <laughs> we talk about a world that's not standing the right way up at the moment, you know. So we just got, we have just got to accept where we are. And given what's happening in the UK regarding the the rules around um, social distancing and masks, for example, you know, there there are fifty thousand new cases a day. And the bubbles are not as tight as they were last year. And this is going to happen more and more. These are young men. They're going to be out there. Another reason why we need another player to come in, because all it takes is one test and you'll stay next to the wrong person and you can't play for two weeks. You know, it's the world is upside down. The sporting world is upside down. <clears throat> I don't... This is just not normal. You have to find a normalcy within the normality, which is not normal. That makes sense. It just isn't right no what you would like Elliot I just don't think it's possible I don't see anyone else anywhere near close to doing their business even though sales and purchases we know our situation intimately as I'm sitting here you know Bellarine rumors have gone hot Jacker rumors have gone hot Willock rumors have gone hot because they think Smith Rowe is now staying so Willock can now go it's it's going to change by literally the hour and we just got to tough it out and just say, well, look, everyone knows what we need to do. We need to get in, you know, so we need to get in seven, in my opinion. And we need to lose a lot and we can name them all. We can name them all. Is it all going to get done? I'd say I'm 90% positive, but, you know, that's just me. I'm 90% positive. And the reason why a lot of the players that do have to go are playing. Now, Willett has played. Maitland Niles has played. Eddie seems to have, you know, he's played in the Premier League, not so much lately, but he seems to have a lot of interest in Germany and the lower Premier League teams like Watford and Crystal Palace and maybe Brighton even. And so there's, there's three outs there straight away. Nelson, not so sure about. Torreira, haven't heard much lately. Kalashnik, we may have to pay him out. You know, Lacazette, what's going to happen there? He's our top goal scorer, 17 goals last year, and it's silence. What's happening there? You know, and... That needs to change. That could be something that could change. Willian, pay too much. We, we all know that. Now we can't give them away. So decisions are going to have to be made about how much we're going to have to pay people, the ones that we've been stupid with on contracts. People like Bellerin, be at the club 10 years, you know, deserves a chance to go and do something else, much like Shaka, do something else. You know, your career is really short. You don't want to spend it all in one place. To get a new experience, do something else. I know things will happen when we start to see those movements. I think we'll have a bit more confidence about what we're trying to do. I think there's a few rooms out there I can, we're no doubt going to come onto that make you feel edgy and nervous, but they are just rumors. They are, are just. He's rumors. trying to it's calm me down. Time. It's not going to work, Clive. It's not going to work. Your Jedi mind tricks aren't going to work on me. I'm going to go apoplectic yeah, well, gonna, with rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ready for you when you get to the certain players. I, I know, I know. <laughs> like, You're yeah. super excited about Ramsdale after watching one video on the Latte Firm channel on YouTube. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super excited by um, Ramsdale. I'm just super excited by the direction that we're going. You know, and I mean, you you like the Tammy Abraham rumor. Again, it's, it's, these are all young British players. Now, this is new. This is different. This is like, okay, this is interesting. You know, there are rumours of the homegrown rules changing, you know, and they could be, you know, increasing the amount of homegrown players that you need. And so maybe also getting ahead of this, and that's why these players have got to tax them because everyone knows in the game that's what's going to happen. You know, you can't go to Europe anymore post-Brexit. 
Buying from South America, although it's easier, rules-wise, it's harder to gauge, and not everyone's going to be a Martinelli. And so people are shifting slightly. You're going to see a lot more academy players recognise that, you know what, I'm not signing that stupid Callum Hudson-Odoi contract. I'm not doing that no more. I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait because I can go and I can get a fast track into first teams if I don't sign that contract at 18-19. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to see a lot of people moving around. So every time we get one of these younger players to stay, it's a real big moment, you know? There's rumours about Kilo Taylor Hart staying. Alconco wasn't staying. Taylor Hart's a good player. You don't want him going to Germany and coming back for 50 million. You, you know, I'm, I'm projecting there, but you see what I mean? He's a good player, a good young player, six-foot winger, step-overs galore, hmm. can score. I mean, super quick. Don't want to see that go before you find out if he's got it. Do you know what I mean? And, and at the moment, those sort of players are moving Chelsea got a young right-back there, Academy Player of the Year. Not signed his contract. Going to be moving. I think Southampton have got a player recently from Chelsea's Academy. We all saw what happened with, with um, Tariq Lamptey. You know, those things weren't happening years ago. But these young players want their moment. They're not waiting around. And I think it's really interesting what we're doing. Really interesting what's happening in the in the market particularly younger players. And I, I, think we're, I think we're doing all right at the moment. I think we are. We've just got, we just got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we're doing fine. If all the work we still have to do gets done and none of it's dumb and we somehow uh, do those things in the time we need to hit the ground running. Clive, you, you called me right down, buddy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Paul, uh, on, on the Florida Cup issue, I mean, like, is there an argument if I wanted to take the whiskers off for a minute and just be like a normal human boy that actually not taking long haul flights transatlantic and living out of hotels in a place where it's 90 degrees Fahrenheit and humid every day and, you know, playing games that aren't necessarily relevant. Like is it better maybe for the team to just stay in London and train and be together and not have to go through those things? I mean, um, I think, I think as much as we look at this as a disruption, is it possible that actually going to Florida is the disruption, not not this, that this can wind up being an unexpected boon? I don't know, but yes. I mean, potentially, like all of that, all of that running around, all that busy work to go and play a couple of teams in the U.S., they just need yeah, to go and, and find a media availabilities and you're in a hotel and the weather's not conducive yeah. and it's not a great COVID environment, unfortunately, unfortunately at the moment, in like a lot yeah. of places. And, Ar- and the Arson long flights aren't off. good for athletes, you know? Yeah, Arson like to go off and do a quiet camp in Austria. I mean, maybe they don't even – like they need the intensity in the games. And So I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple of days ago. Um, on uh, It was on Stuart Pierce, <clears throat> psycho, talking about how – uh, when he was at Nottingham Forest with uh, Brian Clough, Notts County, or yeah, Notts County used to play just across the fence. And every now and then, uh, 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 what what you call himself, uh, Brian Clough would mm. just say, ah, fuck it. Uh, well, he didn't say that. Uh, he'd say, hey, guys, come on. And he'd go across, open up the fence, go across into Notts County training ground, have a quick word with the coach there, and they'd just start playing. And they'd play intense for 30 minutes and that'd be it. And then they'd wander off and do something else, do a bit of training, or that was the training for the day. And I think Arteta will appreciate 
the CAM, the kind of Austrian training camp rather than the jet setting thing with all of this distractions, you know, it would have been great for the fans, the media events and stuff. Well, they're not going to have to do that for the next little while. It won't really be media events. They can just, if he wants to, uh, break the bone and reset it. If he wants to change how we play in certain important ways, maybe he doesn't have a lo- all those players he needs for that, the Ben Whites and whoever else might come in. But if he wants to begin changing how we play, he needs actual quiet time as well as games for intensity. And uh, hopefully, obviously this could hurt, but hopefully this is an opportunity for them to just focus at this critical point to begin to pivot to what we're going to do different next year to this year. So there's the opportunity, let's say, um, they'll still need the games though. And the intensity. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, it's so hard to say what matters in preseason, but I think there is an argument that not having to get on a plane, you know, fly transatlantic, live out of hotels, be in a, an environment that, that maybe is conducive to, more exhaustion or maybe potentially more injury and be away from family. Like there are, there are upsides to this quote unquote disruption. And Oh, by the way, it may allow the club to get more business done. Now, the interesting thing, the depressing thing, there was an article, I think it was in the athletic reporting that they were really looking forward to this trip because Adu and Arteta were hoping they could meet with the Cronkies and it might help them get business done. And like, that's really, really scary. Like, like the idea that like the fact that we happen to be playing in Florida means we might get access to our owners to talk them into letting us do business. Like that's, I, I struggle to believe that's the case, but you know, I, I certainly, um, I certainly hope that they don't need to fly to Florida in the era of zoom to have access to the, the, the owners to get business done. So uh, uh, Paul, it sounded like you had a comment on that or no. Not really. Okay. It'd be, it, like it'd be pretty sad if, if if that's how it works. Plus, now that they've read that, like the Cronkies will know that's why we were coming. So <laughs> <laughs> it was so. it was it was all a ruse. It was it was a Trojan horse. They hit a preseason tournament, and they, all Good. they were doing was coming to ask us for money. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you know what? You know what else is um is a Trojan horse? No, no. Anyone got any other ideas? <laughs> anyone, let's anyone. shave a no. horse could you <laughs> shave <laughs> horse? I, uh, i've got nipples can you milk me greg <laughs> <laughs> um all right we're talking about manscape that's what it is man look if you just get the lawnmower 4.0 you you will all of these transitions will make sense because you'll be like it is as good as he says it is it really is if you go to manscape.com and use promo code arsenal vision you get 20 percent off in free worldwide shipping Let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you buy a device tailor-made to make sure that when you put blades down near your privates, nothing bad happens? Why would you not want that? I mean, come on. It's like not wanting to give Emil Smith-Rowe the number 10. Embrace joy. Joy is a good thing. Coming from me even, right? So get the lawnmower 4.0 long battery life works in the shower has induction charging now so you can just set it in the cradle and it charges really bright led light you still get the ceramic blades the skin safe technology you get the guards so you can do your eyebrows you can do all you can do it all you can do it all and the way they send this stuff to you it feels like you know five star first class really high end quality plus you're getting 20 percent off and free shipping when you use promo code arsenal vision so manscaped.com promo code arsenal vision boom done clive easy peasy what do you think 
Yeah, not bad, mate. Just uh, that wasn't too bad for you. Just, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have the segue. That was the problem. I didn't have the segue. Yeah, I did. I like your I like horse. You were struggling. I like you were struggling. I like the fact you struggled. That's good. That's you good. know what? Sometimes through struggle, we we are forged in the fires of our struggles. By the way, uh, we still will have, we have like two left of the long sleeve the Smith release. We have. I think three left of the hoodie and maybe like nine left of the, the short sleeve t-shirt. It's been really popular today because uh, the, the number 10 was announced. So if you want to check it out real quick, again, we have the Smith uh, design from Brandon with the number 10 on it on a mug. Then we have the t-shirt, the, the long sleeve t-shirt and the hoodie. We just released the Martinelli tee. Have, have, I haven't even shown it to you guys yet, but it, <laughs> I, I got to give Brandon credit. It's pretty funny. It. Yeah, it is the FB ref bars of Martinelli on the front with the Brazil flag and the neck on the back. It's, it's a, it's, it's a pretty clever idea. I like it. So, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want to pick this up again, anyway, um, yes. So now we have to talk about transfers. I'm afraid that we, we've really delayed it as long as we can. Uh, Clive, since I am, uh, drinking a lot of coffee and ready to poop on these rumors, would you like to try to talk me out of, uh, doing that? on on the Ramsdale rumor because it's it's heating up and at last count we were now going to pay 30 million of your great British pounds for Aaron Ramsdale talk me into this one buddy <laughs> well I don't like that price that's for sure I think, uh, <laughs> nope don't like I that think, uh, I think that price is too much there's no way you can look at the situation when the goalkeepers conceded on I think I read some way conceded over 100 goals in the last two or three years and they're looking to nearly double their <laughs> double their money on him from just a year ago. I, I don't think that's right. Uh, I do think they've got a situation there where they need to let him go um, because he wants to go and he's got an opportunity to go. I think Arsenal, no doubt, coming in at a much lower price than that. But that number causes uproar and causes people to worry. And I, and I would worry at that price. There's, there's no need that price. But I do think they're looking at him to be the number one goalkeeper in a year's time, regardless of whether what the number is and I think that may be smart planning Leno may decide to he's got two years ago he may save one more year and then use that period to bring in another keeper to come through there's another keeper called Sam Johnston who's at West Brom uh, which I think he's found 28 he's he's really good by the way he's very good and he says also could do a similar thing with him but they seem to have locked on to Ramsdale and there's some good analysis out there that FK did and I, I've heard for a little while that Arthur is serious about Ramsdale. They're serious about him because of how he plays, the courage by which he plays, the character that he has. And, you know, when I first heard that, I thought, hmm, this is, this is interesting. So let me have a look at him, you know, and he's young. He's very young for a goalkeeper, but he could look completely different. I mean, I remember Martez when he was his age, and I was not thinking he was going to be what he is now. And I can remember when Leno bent his leg back in at Brighton that I thought this is a real problem a real real problem this was one of the worst days of that season and how wrong was I you know what I mean and the guy came in and just exploded from there on in and hasn't stopped talking since so I think I'm open I'm open to it I'm not super negative because I think there's a plan happening at Arsenal about how we build and there's a lot of younger players, and he would be another one. But that number feels high to me. It feels high. But if you were to then sell Leno next year, hopefully for around 20 million, you bring in somebody else. You look at the goalkeepers going out the door. They get Martez for around 20 million. You sell get rid of Leno for 20 million. 
say you spend 25 on Ramsdale, you still got 15 mil for number two goalkeeper. It's all wrapped up in one in one lump. It's not ideal to lose Martez where we did, but that's it. That's gone. That's done. But I'm not totally against this if that's the way it's going to roll. One more year of Leno, assimilate the guy in, see how he does, and use Leno's money to pay for a number two and go from there. I I think we live in a moment right now where there's so much data and so many experts and so much content that we can find the we can p hack. You know what p hacking is in stats, right? Right when you hack the nope. data to find the conclusion you want, right? Okay. You're using data, but you're sort of hacking it to to produce the outcome you want, and it's become a real problem actually in, in AI in in machine learning because the computers are so powerful. And there's so much data now that computers are spitting out the data that researchers are looking for, but it's actually, uh, it's p-hacking. And I think we're doing a little of this with a, a lot of transfers now, right? Like when the Ramsdale rumors first came out, everybody had the same reaction to it, which was nausea emo- emoji or vomit emoji. And over time, what have we seen? We've seen, you know, people come on and I know the Latte Firm did a great one with a PhD uh, candidate guy who 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 was fantastic. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Just really excellent. John Hartfield, something like that. John Hartfield. Are you making that up, or is that his name? Nope. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. we'll go with John Hartfield. I'd love to chat with him, but like, and you know, made some articulate and and positive comments about the player. But like, none of these players are terrible. None of these moves are indefensible. The goal isn't to find an angle where the move can be justified. The goal is to look holistically at the move 360 degrees and say, does it make sense? And and Paul, like, I don't care if very smart people can say some good things about Aaron Ramsdale, like 30 million pounds for Aaron Ramsdale or any real sizable fee for Aaron Ramsdale based on what he's done so far. And some of the question marks around him, Feels like a move we just don't need to make. And oh, by the way, I mean, we can't turn back the clock, but it would certainly make the Mar- the Emmy Martinez sale look really foolhardy at that point. But like, th- this just seems like a, you know what we always talk about, right? Like, transfers are hard, right? Transfers are hard. There's no guarantee you'll get them right. The goal is not to step on obvious landmines. It's not that Ramsdale can't be good, that there's, you got to think probabilistically, right? If it's 80% that this is a bad move and 20% it's a good move, that means there's a chance it could be a good move, one in four. But there's three in four that it's, you know, or, or that, that wasn't right, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> Two in 10, one in five, you get the idea. Um, well, I told you I hate only slightly I, I was behind. P, I was p-hacking there, Paul. But like my point ultimately, right, is like this is a landmine we don't have to step on. Sure, it could work out. But just don't go throwing this money at this player. It, it's an avoidable seeming mistake that while there's a chance it works out, there are just better ways to go use this money, even at goalkeepers. So I, I know that you're probably going to say that there are some ways you can see this making sense, and I, I'm open to hearing them. But what do you think of my my argument that you just part of getting transfers right is avoiding the landmines? Sure, sure, sure. I agree with that part. Uh, John Harrison was the guy's name. So you made me say, you know what? Next time, I'm not, I'm not saying the name <laughs> until I look it up. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the Ramsdale one's a weird one. Um, so I I actually went back and looked at some games to watch him playing. We played him twice uh, when he was at uh, at uh, where was he before? Uh, B- Bournemouth. Um, 
And what I discovered was watching goalkeepers playing is really, really dull. They don't do a lot. No, they don't. Um, <laughs> no. So I definitely think whatever we're offering for him is too much and his wages are too much. Like they kick the ball a couple of times. They pass it out a couple of times. They. Uh, so I was looking to see, especially with Bournemouth, because the, the knock against him at Sheffield United was, hey, he plays long all the time, but then so does Sheffield United. Um, yeah, that's Bournemouth really play- hard, though, right? Because if he only plays yeah. long, how the hell would you know if he's any good at doing the other thing? Yeah, by watching him at Bournemouth. Uh, 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 yeah, you were getting there. Yeah, should have waited. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he had a whole season there playing out from the back. And, uh, you know, uh, so here's how this transfer makes perfect sense to me. If he's an absolute fucking ninja with his feet, because I could see why we'd push the boat out for a young keeper that we could develop with the kind of Edison, Allison, ninja feet skills that would allow us to build from the back. Because if we know anything about Arteta, toothpaste, um, we get the ball back after the opposition coughs it up. And we played out from the back, goal kicks, whatever, uh, th- through the centre backs and up. And the uh, the goalkeeper is pivotal. And when you look at what City does, they do extreme shit with their goalkeeper and their centre back. Where the you know who's playing what and where? Well, actually, you've you you've your your deepest pivot is the goalkeeper and say stones on the right touchline. Um, the other centre back has pushed pushed up and wide. The full backs are pushed in as midfielders. Like you basically got five or six players at the back who are almost interchangeable in terms of uh, centre mid positionings, etc. They're not re- they don't really have a position. They just kind of do. So I'm like, well, maybe that's maybe I can see something about Ramsdale that makes him look like he's a a ninja with his feet. <clears throat> so after two three games. He didn't do enough in those games for you to tell. I don't know how you tell. Um, so it, from what I can see and from the stats, the data, the Latte firm thing was really good. But that, again, didn't really talk about what he does with his feet. It talked really talked about him as a shot stopper, his positions, his technique. And that was very positive. Um, but I don't know why we'd be doing this, really. We've got to I Like, why didn't we just re-sign Matty Ryan? He seemed keen. Um, we don't have a lot of games. It buys us another year. Um, I like Ramsdale as a keeper. I don't know why we do 30 million or 25 million or 23 million this season or whatever uh, for him. Um, I think he he looks like a good passer. Uh, mm-hmm. Good good chip shots out to the the wing uh, to his pushed up fullbacks. You know he's he's good around the box. I've yet to now. I've only watched a few games with him. But I've yet to see anything that says, holy shit, he's a ninja with his feet or he's brilliant. You know, he's beyond the norm at the build up piece. And that's the only rationale I could see for why we'd want. Like, we don't need the world's greatest keeper. We've got other pressing needs. But I could I could talk myself into it if this guy was an utter ninja for playing out from the back, as opposed to he looks pretty good. Yeah, I I think, Paul, where you where you and I are aligned here is that. I tend to think most keepers, not all, wind up being fine as shot stoppers, right? That we overestimate the extent to which there is a a difference in the way keepers stop shots because also sometimes they run hot, right? Like we've seen David De Gea look like he could not be beaten, like an absolute octopus, 
and then have another season where he couldn't save shots. Keppa had like the worst save rate in the league for multiple seasons. He was saving like, what, less than half the shots he faced or something or half. But when they bought him, that wasn't the case. But the one thing that I think is a lot stickier that tends to be the case is the way you play the, with the ball at your feet. And we just know that that's a part of the game now you have to have. I think the other thing is like, he's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he's, a, he's okay. I, I think we have to be consistent here, right? Because we were talking about Tammy Abraham the other day. I don't day. have to be anything. You're not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Tammy Abraham the other day and he's 23 and he's got, he's a good player. He could be unbelievable when he's 26. You know, and um, and there's potential there, without a doubt. Right? So I look at Ramsdale. He is the best young English goalkeeper. I don't see anybody else coming up. No one else coming up. If I also want a homegrown keeper, he's the one to go and get. You know, you look around the England age group. There's, I don't see anything else there. I really don't. So it's him. Sam Johnson's a bit older. You know, and... Um, and you're, you're not in And if they that. structured the payments, Clive, right? Like the bit I, I liked about what your original intro was, it's part of a plan. If we take the, the, the strong rumors at face value, the one thing I do like about it is there's a plan. Now, you mightn't feel there's a plan going back to the Emmy Martinez thing, but needs as needs must at that time. But at least the, the one thing that gives me pause from going off the deep end or anything like that is like the. They've thought this through now. They could have got it wrong, but there's clearly a plan. And if they structure the payments in such a way that in year one where we're going to have two goalkeepers, we're well positioned to go into the future years without uh, overextending ourselves early on, then, okay, this is our loan keeper, but we paid a little money in the first year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm prepared to give it a go. I'm not saying... Now, when the Anana rumors came out, I was really excited because mm. I've seen him in the Champions League. I thought, wow, ninja, so, ninja feed. That could, that could be fantastic. Then you find out that he's basically got a drugs ban and he can't play till November, and that means he wouldn't have played for over a year nearly. He's just not smart. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't. So, is that is that a problem? Like, I, I'm not trying to pick pick a fight, but like, I guess one one of the things that's I'm struggling with Clive is we don't. We don't have to solve goalkeeper right now. Like, we don't have to because Leno's not, I mean, I assume not leaving this summer. I guess I guess what I'm saying is, right, like, if we don't have the exact solution we think we need this summer, then get some old retired guy like other clubs have done to back up Leno until you find exactly what you're looking for. Well, it feels like throwing happen. $30 million at Ramsdale right now just feels like stepping on a landmine. You know, if we had no keeper right now, right, if it was a Conqua and no one, and we were sort of panicking, we are saying, you know, we like Ramsdale, the fee's too much, but we got to get him in, I'd still dislike it, but I'd understand the rationale. But we have a good first-choice keeper who's still here. But if it doesn't yeah. cost us much in this year... And there's a plan, and he's the plan. I, I still don't know why he's special, though. Right, let's just get this out there, right? I don't think we should be paying 30 million quid for Ramsdale, right? I do see a value at a number in the early 20s, very early 20s, but we could do this, right? So, and if, it does, if it's too heavy, there's another rumor out there about a free transfer goalkeeper, and we may walk away from it. We may walk away from it, and I think you know if it's over thirty million, I think we should, you know. And I don't see, I don't see the reasoning behind that, because it is about value, even though it's going to be a long-term thing. It's about value, so I can see what they're trying to do. The numbers have got to be right. 
If Arsenal have got to pay early 20s and send a lone player there for nothing, there's, there's ways to be creative around this. And Sheffield United know we've got a number of fringe players they could be waiting to get there. Were those players to help them come back up to the Premier League? You don't know what could be going on in the background. But I can just see it. I, I you know, in my mind, Anana would be would have been great. He comes in, he competes Leno for the first year, and he takes over. I, you know, it just looked better to me. You know, at the price, etc. But there's a risk associated to that. There's a gamble associated to that. Last year, we already took a gamble. We had Renison as our second goalkeeper. Leno fortunately didn't get injured, and we were lucky because we saw what Renison did when he came in. And we got Matty Ryan in and that closed that gap. If, if Leno got injured and we were left with Rinnison, that would have been a traumatic moment in the first half of the season, which is already pretty traumatic. We got a young goalkeeper in Arthur and Okonko. We can all see that he's not ready for the first team level. He needs time. He can't be number two. And so it'd be interesting we end up. But I, I don't spit on it. You know, I, I quite like the fact we're trying to do something particularly with homegrown players and I'm I'm not against that and let's see what happens let's see what happens Look, but that number feels heavy to me and I agree with you there you don't spit on it I told you what I was doing to it at the beginning of this segment so it's way worse than spitting um, look I think the other point is everything is relative I, I think what's interesting about this one is if I didn't even tell you the fee right so let's say let's rewind two months from now two, two months from now is not rewinding two months before now and I said to you Arsenal are going for Aaron Ramsdale You'd be like, no, what? Really? No. And you're like, well, I don't know. If it's like two, three million and he's going to be behind Onana or something, and he's, yeah, I guess maybe. If I told you we're going for him for 30 million with an eye towards being the solution to the position, like, I just don't know. I think we, we get into this zone of justification where we start to try to make it make sense. And that's how you wind up saying, well, maybe William can be okay and Cedric makes sense. But like, even those, I mean, this is, this is, us committing to that player at this position at big money. This is our solution at keeper. So I, it's I, not it's not zone of justification. It's just trying to understand what the plan is really. Oh when sure, I look sure, at something I, like which this, is fine. Yeah, of course. I just look at it, yeah, what they're trying to do here. Okay, Leno's got two years to go. I just try to look at what they're trying to do. It's not justification for it. I personally wouldn't pay that money for him, right? But I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper. I think he's a good goalkeeper. That's improving. You know, so, and that's what Arsenal obviously feel. Now it, it becomes it becomes a point of value then, what they want to do. You know, so um, mm. and as I say, there is no other English goalkeepers out there at the young age that are going to progress. Ramsdale is the one. You know, if, you see, if it's more like say twenty four million, and if we don't pay much in the first year, so it doesn't stop us doing the other things we do, and if they're right that he's actually good and on the way up. Um, the only thing I don't get about it is it blocks the ninja goalkeeper that I always assumed Arteta would want at some point. That's my main thing against it. Yeah, and the other thing is, I, I guess it's it's like, I don't, um, I don't, you know me, I don't see goalkeeper as a huge priority. I think we have one that's perfectly fine for right now. And it just seems like a big amount of money on a player that, but you, it, at a minimum, you have to say it's a gamble at a time when we just don't have to do it. We can wait and see if that still makes sense. I mean, I don't, yeah. is anyone panicked that we're going to lose Ramsdale to someone else for 30 million this summer? Like, that's the other point, right? It's not like, I don't know. It, let, let's not spend any more time on this because I think 
We've covered it. I'd rather get to one that's obviously a much more sensible move that we can all get behind. Uh, Paul, how excited are you for uh, captain leader legend Jordan Henderson to come to Arsenal this summer? Because in case you don't follow every rumor, this one is being reported and not just like the sun, like uh, Football London has it. So that's Chris Wheatley, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I think I saw it in the Star and the Mail and the Express. I mean, it, it's out there. Yeah. It's it's yeah. um. Well, let me help you fire one. this one help, up. Yeah, help, I mean, help me Arteta, Arteta uh, basically announced this several days ago when he said, we're going to basically need leaders in our spine. He didn't use in our spine. I think that was more of a Clive term, but I'll weld the two together. And then Jordan Henderson pops onto our radar. It's almost like uh, Arteta was inoculating us for a shock. Mm. The, you know, David Luiz a couple of years ago is a, a direct equivalent. We all lost our shit. Um, turned out he was actually maybe quite good um, uh, af- after a year where he maybe wasn't. Um, so uh, I guess my feeling on Jordan Henderson is I poo-pooed this and I'm sure it won't happen and blah, blah, blah. But it might. It might be exactly the kind of solidity, leadership, blah, 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 that uh, Arteta is looking for. And uh, But we got to give it a few more days to see whether this rumor strengthens or weakens. It's kind of like those hurricanes that come, they're going to make landfall in Florida, and they're, it's like a strength five, strength six, strength seven, and, it, and the next thing it's, oh, it's down to a three, a two. Oh, it's heading off off into the Atlantic again. So we got to see which path this particular rumor hurricane takes. There's yeah. my take on Jordan. W- would I want him? Uh, uh, not after his Euros performance. He looked very leggy there. Well, I mean, but he's Jenner, coming off look, injury, didn't play a lot. I, yeah, look, yeah. look, here's what I would say. Jordan Henderson is probably a player that is underrated. I, I, I don't yep. think Arsenal fans properly rate Jordan Henderson because I think, especially where Klopp is concerned, the midfielders are just seen as system guys who play a system role and they're nothing special and they just go get the ball off. You know, they, they just press like mad and create a team that won the title in the Champions League, but somehow they're not very good. Like, no, I don't, I don't think that's right. Um, I, I think he's very good. I think yeah. he's very old. I, 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 I think that's the point. He's 31 years old, and there's a part of me that would say, like, if we're going to get a midfielder who's 31 years old in Jordan Henderson, like, just keep Granite Shaka at that point. Like, he's not 31 years old. You know, like, there's... I, I also have a worry about people that have been to the mountaintop, players that have won it all, been to the mountaintop, and now they're getting their last contract somewhere. That has not traditionally been great for us. Um, I don't know if I need to invoke William's name again, but Clive, I think Jordan Henderson is a guy that, again, probably better than a lot of Arsenal fans think, 31, climbing down from the, the top of the game for his last contract. I get the leadership angle, but here's the problem, right? We're not hiring him to be the assistant coach. We're hiring him to start in central midfield because we need... I mean, Shaq is going to Rome. It looks like that's happening. We need someone to play 30 games, start 30 Premier League games, maybe 35 Premier League games, unless you really want the Mohamed Elneny experience again. Like, we need a 30-plus game midfield starter next to Thomas Party. And oh, by the way, Party's had injury issues for us. So this guy's got to play a lot, and he's got to be really good. And we're not hiring him just to 
coach up the young guys. He's not being hired to be an assistant coach. So it seems like a really, really weird move to me. The only thing I'll say is if the Ramsdale link is true and the Henderson link is true and we're buying Ben White and we've re-signed Smith Rowe, like, and Madison's on the radar, it's almost like the club has just decided to like make Brexit mean Brexit. Like <laughs> there's a very let's get English kind of feeling going on here. So instead of saying it's just a rumor and it's probably not true, which may exactly be the case, can you at least give me your thoughts on the move if you had to indulge it? Yeah, it's it's, it's a rumor and probably not true. And we're probably right, being used <laughs> like uh, <laughs> we've probably been used a little bit like uh, Locatelli's using us to get the move that he really wants. Jordan Henderson is a wonderful guy and a really wonderful player and captain. Brilliant. But he's wonderful for Liverpool. That is the club of his heart. That what he does in that city, what he's done for the NHS, the amount of money and millions that he's raised, what he's done for the basically he's the captain of the Premier League, he's the captain of the captains. He's really grown on me the last few years about what he how he sees football. It's a fantastic video of him just talking through a game, talking teammates through a game. Honestly, mate, if you're playing next to you, you run through brick walls. He's just wonderful, right? So now for Arsenal. I've, I've seen players, I'm going to use William. I think William was a f- decent player for, for Chelsea. His heart was at Chelsea. His heart is not at Arsenal. And he comes here, he looks broken hearted. Right? He doesn't, he, has, he can't find it again. Right? So I look at Jordan Henderson and to me he's Liverpool and he should be there. And I don't want a player coming to Arsenal because they couldn't get their contract sorted out. We've seen this. We've spoken before about having players come with the right motivations what are you being, why are you here? Are you part of this going forward? I know people don't like the word project, but are you part of this? Are you part of the common goal? Are you part of the purpose to get us back to the Champions League? I don't want people coming here because it's convenient, because they couldn't get a contract in the place where they really want it to be. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we did with William, and I don't want to see that with Henderson. So the fact that I love the guy, love the player, I think he deserves to be at the club where he is right now, they just need to sort it out, and I think we're being used to um, help that happen. So that's my feeling on it. Um, if you want to talk about the midfield partner for party, and it, it is a concern, right? Because um, it is a concern, but also not a concern, because Arsenal know they have to do it. They have to do it. For all of um, Shaka's abilities, he does allow us to play in a certain way, which may not be as penetrative as we'd like to see. And I said to you the other day, I said, you know, when you have Shaka and, say, holding as some of your top passers, that's fine, but there's limits there because their passing ability is not exceptional, shall we say, and their ability to move out of pressure is not acceptable. So if they're having your most touches, there's a safety angle to that, which doesn't allow us to be an attacking force as we'd like to see. So that's where data really helps you. When I see an influence like that in our team, then I'm thinking, okay, when someone comes in, it's got to be better at doing the things we need him to do. Either that's defensively or that's offensively. And and so Ben White's coming in, and we all know his main skill set is on the ball. That completely changes how we are from that right-hand side. And if we get that part on the right, and I don't think it's Henderson, I think that completely changes us from the central mid, central mid, maybe left-hand side of the central mid. And I think the team will have a, a distinct different look with those two signings. And uh, Jordan Henderson is not the one for me, but my respect for him is top, top. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be true 
that a player is good, that he's underrated, that he's a good guy. And if Arteta wants to hire him to be his assistant coach, I think that sounds great. Signing him to be our need-him-to-start-30-games-in-central-midfield guy, less great. So then let's do this. Let's let's talk midfield, Paul, because it is, it is a whole ball of wax for me right now. I mean, it does seem that we are mm-hmm. making a big move in central defense. In yep. backup left back is sorted. I think right back is maybe going to fall into the category of whoever's mm-hmm. left standing of the millions of them that we have. We'll use that guy. I'd I'd rather get a right back, but you know if it's going to be a Chambers and Cedric right back situation for a season, like I said on a previous pod, we're not going to solve the entire squad rebuild in one window. Okay, fine. Um, party great. Smith Rowe resigned. Maybe a Madison coming in could be huge. Uh, we have big money striker. We have. Wide forwards we love in Pepe and Martinelli and Smith uh, and Saka. Great. That guy that's going to stand next to Thomas Party for 38 games this season is a big, big, big question mark. Granite Xhaka is a guy who I think is simultaneously overrated by some Arsenal fans and underrated by others, but he's leaving, so it doesn't matter. He's been an ever-present. His best ability was his availability, and it's gone now. So I don't see any... Any universe where we don't replace him, I just don't because we're not going to start El Nenny and Party in midfield for 38 games. So that position becomes the whole ball of wax. If the Henderson rumors aren't true, I mean, I know we have Lakanga. I don't want to dismiss that, but I don't think the plan is for Lakanga to be that guy right now, and we could be proven wrong. A, do you assume we're going to get someone there? I mean, I think that's a foregone yes. conclusion, but you never know. B, if it isn't Henderson, do you have a sense of which direction we're going to go, how this plays out? I mean, apparently we bid $40 million for Locatelli, which to me still feels like just wasting time. But where do you where do you see this Ruben Neves, Basuma, Henderson, Locatelli, you know, central midfield mush shaking out? Yeah. Um, look, the Locatelli thing kind of makes sense, right? He's very talented. Um, and it was basically, listen, if you guys can't work this out, we're interested. Um, it probably didn't take a lot of effort from us. Uh, and we probably didn't support, submit a formal bid. We said, you know, here, here's what we think he'd be work, worth. Uh, come talk to us if this shit looks like it isn't going to go down. So I don't think we spent a huge amount of cycles on it. Um, I think we're going to go for somebody like, like I think the Ruben Neves rumors were strong and valid. And I think we'll come back for a Ruben, Ruben Neves type player. Um, a guy who can do what Chaka did, but is younger and more mobile and can provide more defensively. Uh, stronger against the dribble so that we don't need to protect kind of our center by doing weird formation things or quirks to protect the player so that he can shine. Neves is, has much higher defensive numbers. Maybe that's a little bit of the system at Wolves versus Arsenal, but he was in some ways he was often kind of left on his own in midfield to screen. Um, so he's done his, Defensive numbers are high in terms of he's he's not super fast around the pitch, but he's got really good midfield hustle defensively, and he can spray that ball around, switch passes, long balls, short balls. Um, so I'm not hung up on Neves, and I hope we aren't. I hope we 
do what you're supposed to do, which is have a, a plate of players you're going after in a particular profile. I think the profile will be a Ruben Neves type profile. Locatelli's a little different. He's a little more dynamic. He gets forward a little, well, actually, he gets forward quite a bit more than Neves. Neves only appears in the box to get on the end of a shot and, and bury it from time to time or take a long ranger from outside of the box. Otherwise, he just sits back and lets other people do it. But he'll arrive late. Mostly, though, he sits deep, very deep, like Chaka would, or as like we picture Chaka playing. Locatelli is more dynamic, but he'd still play in a two. He's not a an attacking midfielder. So I think he's just such a good player that they're like, well, he's close enough to the profile we're looking for. He's not quite the profile, but we can make that work in a two, and he gives us options. He'd be much more like I see Party being in terms of sits deeper but gets forward, and you'd want him to, Locatelli. Um, whereas Neves sits deeper, stays deeper, but arrives late from time to time. So I think we're going for somebody Nevesy, somebody to spray it, play it, uh, but give a much better defensive, much more mobile, much better defensive screen than we were getting, say, from Chaka, where we had to overcompensate or the fact that he's terrible against the dribble. Interestingly, Arsenal were really good against the dribble when you consider how many games Chaka and um, what's-his-face Danny Ceballos played, who are both reputedly terrible against the dribble, and they did it all through shape. In other words, they constrained themselves. So they probably like to free it up a little bit, be a little bit more dynamic in midfield and not have to make sure we don't get dribbled through the middle. Yeah, I mean... it. The the problem, I think, also, Clive, with the, the midfield solutions, I realize that rumors are just rumors. And so the problem is they 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 create noise around the signal, right? When you when you look at who we're linked with, some of it may be legitimate, but some of it may just be BS. And then that BS is going into your analysis and it's it's muddying your analysis. But like the problem I, I have, you're looking for a plan. Well, Basuma isn't Neves, and Locatelli sure as heck isn't Basuma. And Jordan Henderson isn't any of them. Um, it It's hard because when I look at the universe of players we've been linked with, I don't see, oh, we're going for a destroyer to sit behind party and free him up. Or, oh, we're going for a Shaka analog to spray the ball to wide positions and, and play long progressive passes. Or, oh, we're going for a carrier who's athletic. Or, oh, we're going for a more attacking central midfielder who can join up like... We're going for all of those things, depending on which player you believe we're connected with. Do you have a sense of which one of the qualities you'd most prefer we target? I I mean, the Basuma type, the Locatelli type, the Neves sort of spray it and pass it type. I mean, is is there a profile in here that to you strikes the right notes, if not the specific player? Yeah, if it was me, I I like the Basuma type. And the reason why, I I think we are underestimating what he can do. The role he's falling into at Brighton is much more of a six role, sit there and protect while they, you know, push forward centre backs and you know, overlap in those areas in a with a back you know, with a back five. And so they really are quite aggressive with their defenders and Alan Alan Westbrook does a bit of progression. Ben White obviously does. So yeah, it's I think if you watch videos of Basuma, he can do a lot more eight stuff as well. He can carry, he can dribble, he can switch play. So I think we're underestimating his full gamut of tools and skills, right? So that's one thing. I'm, I'm with Paul on this one, just based on the rumors and just a bit of him just looking around and looking at the fact that 
Edu's talking to Jorge Mendez, who's Neves's agent, and he's trying to get him in. I look at Neves and think, well, you know what? You are a bit of a six, but you can really switch the ball like an eight. And I look at it and think, yeah, I can see what you're doing here. He's very metronomic. He wants to get on the ball a bit more. He's got more on-the-ball personality. You know, Sesk like, I'm going to come and get it. You know, and I think Basuma's a bit more reactive. So I can see why not. Personally, I would work with Basuma and make him more metronomic to get on the ball and have him more touches and judge him on that. I would work with the better player for me, the one that can do more things for us. I would make him into the player I want him to be rather than by somebody that's maybe a good player but has some deficiencies, in my opinion, about how he moves across the ground. So that's just my thoughts, and I'd like to see a bit of pace in centre mid. That's just a personal preference. Locatelli, for me, just laden with risk. Doesn't want to be here. Italian company, Italian league. Um, settling period. I, I ain't got time for that rubbish. It's going to be Premier League ready. Premier League ready. Somebody can come in day one, stick number eight on, and say, right, let's have it. Let's have it with you. And Neves you heard it here and, and first. Basuma. You want Jordan Henderson. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> Neves and Basuma can can do that. They If they come in, we'll just line up with party and we'll say, right, we're ready. We've got two centre backs. We've got two centre mids. We've got loads of attacking mids. And we've got far too many old forwards. Right? <laughs> so, But we know we can see the, the makeup of our team. We've got back at left back. We saw out the keeper situation. They just, what are we going to do at right back? What are we going to do? You know, so... But that's not a bad start, and the job will be done. We'll be we'll be better. We'll be better with that combination. I've often felt that um, Party was really the Shaka replacement in the team. You know, I felt he, you know, Party was going to be our technical leader, right? So, so just from an age perspective, you can't have a you know, team full of youngsters completely. The Party just turned twenty-eight. Shaka's twenty-nine, coming to thirty. You get a couple more years. You get that leadership, get that technical leadership. That's the guy. Give it to him. He'll sort it out in a slightly different way. So now it's about getting that protection, somebody that can allow party to be who he needs to be. That's how I feel about this. I don't think this signing is a Shaka replacement. I think it's a part. It's a party partner. You know, I think party is the Shaka replacement. I think he was always going this summer. He was agreed when he stayed before. And for me, it was always once he had his second kid, he was going to go off into the moonlight and do a, do a different challenge. And that's where we are. And that's why they went for party. They need a long they need a long pole in the tent. Somebody you can build around. And Shaq has been that player for us. Now party's going to be that player. And now we're going to now we need to supplement and enable this team. And that player for me that does that is Pasuma. But I feel as though I'm on a losing one on that one because I just think he's more of a never that they're just going to go for. Yeah. Well, I I certainly think that if that's the case, you'd have to look at where the influence is coming from, but we're maybe, you know, once bitten twice shy on that front. Let's let's finish with just a quick word on the striker situation though. I think that look, the midfield situation is going to get done. I mean, Cl- Clive r- really fast. I was going to say real quick, but I mean, I'm going <laughs> to smash the bingo mug before this thing is done. Um real quick. You assume central midfielders coming in though, right? There there is no scenario where we sell Shaq and don't buy. Yeah, well, you have to. Right? So, what you don't want to do, you you don't want you don't want to buy your centre mid and then say to Roma, pay us more money. They say, hell no, I got to pay more money. You got you got to lose this guy. He just bought his replacement. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. we need to we need to squeeze the money out of them. And once we get the money that we need, because we get Shackles in the Euro twenty twenty squad or team of the tournament, he's not an idiot. 
right? And he, I mean, the right team, he's going to do really, really well. And it's a great move for him. Great move for him. So, yeah, as soon as he goes, we get the replacement. And I think it's going to be so interesting to see what that player is. I think it's going to tell us a lot about who we want to be. And I think, so yeah, looking forward to it. So don't worry. We're not going to do it with um, El Nini. We're going to do it with a replacement. Okay. Well, there you go. You, you've settled me right down. He says lying. Um, Paul, I, I want to finish with the striker situation. I don't want to mm. talk Tammy Abraham in particular. Mm. Obviously, on Patreon, uh-huh. we have the we have the Chelsea Tammy Abraham. It was talk. really good, by the way. Oh, the, the Patreon thing was excellent. Like despite the, having to talk good. to a Chelsea fan. <laughs> oh, he was really good. Right. Really good. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> uh, well, look, and we will probably talk about it more if the rumors heat up, and and we did talk about it on the last pod. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to cover old ground, but I do want to touch on the striker thing, only because it really has me thinking about this position. I think it is one that a lot of people feel we just don't have to do anything right now. But mm-hmm. next summer, Lacazette is surely gone, right? If he doesn't go this summer, we'll let him play out his contract, and he'll be gone next summer. Aubameyang into the thirty two year old season. You're at the point where you just absolutely have to have someone ready to start other than him. You can't, you want to depend on him this season. I'm okay with it by next season. I I think you have to be thinking ahead. Martinelli purely theoretical as a striker, as we've said, Balogun has never played, you know, more than literally a handful of minutes of senior football, no experience, purely a youth football player. So we are in the situation where if not right now, then certainly by next summer, a first team striker has to emerge. And unless you think that overnight Martinelli and Balogun can turn into that, um, it's a it's a situation that has to be solved. And so I want to just quickly ask you about Balogun. I am increasingly of the opinion that if we don't loan Balogun, we are doing real damage to this player at this point in his career. I think it would be close to a disaster not to loan him. And I love using words like that because obviously uh, it doesn't ratchet up the anxiety or, or the polarization at all, so I apologize. But, I mean, can you give me any argument for keeping Balogun with Arsenal this season? Because I, I can't get there. It just looks like an obvious an obvious move that we have to make is to find him a team where he can play 30-plus times this season. Yeah, so if we did something like Tammy Abraham, then Balogun would have to go on loan, I would say. What if we do nothing? Um, what if we don't get anyone? But but so Lacazette is sold. Yeah. So if we do nothing, I would tend to expect we'll keep him, and I think I'm okay with that because this will be basically Lacazette's final year. He's a very good like. If you ever hear anybody talk about Lacazette, he's just he's great with the team with other players. He'll understand that it's a transition year away from him. Um. And Balogun may learn a shitload from him this year as we transition more and more minutes to Balogun as we can. This could just be a transi- a slider year where we reduce the amount of Lacazette and he gets that. He he knows he's playing down his contract and taking his money and his next move. He'll be planning his next move and he'll be okay being more of a bit part player this time around. And Balogun coming up on the slider scale, getting more minutes as the season goes on and working with a top-level technician like uh, Lacazette uh, feeding off him. Uh, your friend on the, the Chelsea uh, pod last night was talking about how brilliant Giroud was working with Tammy Abraham, teaching him how all the tricks of the trade. Like, there are good... Like, striker is one... is a position that... Strikers only listen to strikers about how to play it in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Balogun could learn a shitload from Lacazette as we adjust 
from the start of the season to the end of the season, who's our number two. So I'm not totally against it. Um, I mean, Clive, I just... I mean, look, Lacazette could get sold, and Martinelli might not get any striker minutes, and suddenly you're looking at Balogun as the guy behind Aubameyang. I think there's two important points here. Again, I don't know how many players have gone from youth football to first-team football at striker and excelled, and certainly not if they're asked to play a lot. If Lacazette doesn't go, and if Martinelli is expected to get some striker minutes, I mean, this could be a season where if we don't loan Balogun, he gets 400 first-team minutes or fewer. I just don't think at this age you want that guy playing four. I mean, you want him playing. You want him to try to have a 3,000-minute season, a 2,500-minute season, right? So I don't see how he gets the minutes he needs at Arsenal in a way that's good for him or Arsenal. I mean, the irony is you look at Tammy Abraham, what he did. Well, he went on loan until he was, you know, 22-ish and killed it in the championship and came back ready to lead the line for Chelsea. So I don't know. I mean... I, I think we have to see him play first-team football somewhere else before we're ready to just say, you're a backup striker option and possibly not even have have the minutes to hand him. I, I know that, that that's going to be a disappointment to people that would like to see Balogun at Arsenal, but if we ever want to see him at Arsenal longer term, don't we have to get him playing first-team football somewhere? Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I just, we chatted about the Florida Cup earlier on, and I think it's going to be great for the coach to get, you know, get a preseason with his team, which he's never had. I think it'd be fantastic for him, but I think it's really bad for Balogun mm. because to play against Inter Milan and maybe Everton, you know, in front of everybody, you know, proper proper players, he needed to show people what he's got. So we got the Chelsea and Spurs games coming up. I think you just need to judge him. I'm I'm, I'm a bit loath to judge. I just say, look, the ideal scenario is we lose Eddie, we lose William, we lose Lacazette, and we make decisions based on that. We need to then buy a 23 year old. That's in a 23-24, that's done a few laps, got a couple of seasons with goals behind him. And then you have Balogun filling in behind. And that sort of makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. When Abamian goes in a year and a half time, then you've got two players that have had good minutes and then you can work it out from there. And you backfill them with maybe Martinelli, who's had a bit more time then. And then you're off and running. So the, <clears throat> the plan is quite clear, but we're blocked here. We're blocked. And if we are going to be blocked, the kid's got to play. He's not a, he's a young kid at Arsenal called Ben Cottrell. And he's a very young player, very skillful player, been academy player of the year. Very skillful, tiny, needs to be in academy football for as long as possible. Tiny, really skillful, very small. Balogun's a beast, he needs to be out there. He needs to be out there pushing people, moving people. He cannot play youth football, he just cannot. He's got to be adult football. He's got to get out there now. You know, really, it's really important. Unless Arsenal got the pathway for him, I'm sure it should have been discussed. He wouldn't have signed that contract otherwise. If Arsenal got the pathway for him and they can create that pathway and they can lose some people from those forward areas who are just not going to, who are going to block us, then we can see what we can do with him. Maybe he can stay for the first half of the season and then go on loan in January once things are a bit clearer about where we are. But at some point this year, he's got to play every week. I totally agree with you. We'll I mean, see what happens. I guess the other big, big thing, though. Could I just say something? Yeah, yeah please, please uh, do. Like, Aubameyang playing through the centre is something we kind of moved to at the end of the season. And if we stick with that, then, you know, I guess that pretty much changes the calculus significantly because he's, you, you got to lean on that. And assuming he stays fit, that's going to be most of the minutes. And that doesn't leave a lot for Lacazette well, and Balogun. And can so, I jump in he, on there too? Because yeah. even, if, even if you think that Arteta still likes Oba left, and Lacazette Central. 
which, yuck. But let's say he likes that. I think we have to agree that if Lacazette was injured, it would still probably be Oba Central before it would be Balogun Central and Oba left because he's got he's got too many first team talented players who can can step up and play. I, I still yeah. I don't I don't think but it changes how blocked from the middle. Is. Yeah. Then I'm uh, as I think about it, then, then I'm with you because there'd be no, without an injury, there'd be nothing to share. Yeah, and and ultimately, look, the problem is. I don't mind keeping a guy like if you want to keep Lacazette till his contract expires instead of collecting what's probably not going to be a huge fee for him. I don't mind that as an insurance policy, of course. But what you don't want to do is keep your really talented academy kid from playing so he can be your backup planet striker. And if your main striker stays fit, you lose a season of playing for that kid. That's not okay. Do you guys remember? I think it was an athletic article went really big last summer about how, or maybe it was two summers ago, I think, Arsenal have hired a team just to manage loans. And look how good it's doing. They went inside and Kedia's loan to Leeds and how he had teams bidding for him and how they managed his loan. It was like this big, you know, like like almost promotional article. I mean, it wasn't that, but you know what I mean? Like praising this, this loan team that we have. Well, you know, we we need that. We we've got Ben Napper talent. or something is the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, so the, so the go find manager. a good club for Balogun where you can play a bunch. Well, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying what I'm saying is it has to happen, right? Like I don't yeah. I don't view this one. And, and look, you might be sitting listening to this screaming. He is good enough to play for Arsenal right now. I don't know how you would know that, but even if he is good enough to play for Arsenal right now, what happens if Oba stays fit? And Laka isn't sold, and he could be good enough to play for Arsenal right now, but winds up with 300 minutes. So if I, he's you know, good enough, if he's good enough, and he rips it in preseason, he rips it in training, and he rips it in the games that he gets, he will play. Ahead of who? I don't care. No, I, 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 I don't mean, mean that. Like I don't mean that contentiously, Clyde. But like he's not going to play ahead, ahead of Aubameyang, who's on 300 grand a well, week. He's just not. I don't care. I'm sorry, mate. I know you. Well, don't. We, we sat, we sat down, <laughs> and we sat down the guy before on 300 grand a week. He's on two fifty, yeah. by the way. He keeps saying that. He's a. It, we sat a guy down before. Well, this is not kindergarten, right? You're going to get out there. You've got to show what you got, and then we have to adjust ourselves accordingly. If he's good enough, we all we all we all want him to play. This is why I said I started my bit off by saying the Florida club has hurt him a little bit. Mm. We get a chance to see him, and he gets a chance to show everybody what he's got, and the hierarchy can change in a flick of a switch. He hasn't had opportunity yet, and he really needs it. So I'll be going to that Chelsea game on August the 1st, and I'll be looking at him the most. Fair enough. I uh, want to see where he is. I would say this. I don't Look, I don't disagree that you know if he kills it, he'll play. But like we've seen a lot of players kill it in preseason and not jump ahead established pros. Like I think the scenario where Balogun gets to show his quality enough to move ahead of Aubameyang at striker is remote enough that gambling his season on that opportunity presenting itself is unfair to the kid. Like, I, I just think the straight line path to Balogun eventually being a great player for us is Balogun playing a lot this season somewhere. And we can't guarantee yeah, I, that. I, I totally agree. I, I agree with that. But let's not stop. You know, if somebody is playing well, training play them, well, of course, yeah. and showing what they're doing, that's them. That is the environment you want, right? If you look at Saka, who went into England squad as 26 man, trained well, got himself ahead of Rashford and Sancho. Didn't matter how old he was. He deserved to play. I will tell you this, though, Clive. I mean, I I do think, and I know what we did with Ozil, but the Ozil situation was a little weird because I don't know if he wanted to play and what was going on in the background. Like, 
I think if you take a very good player in Aubameyang and a very good player in Balogun, and Balogun's in slightly better form, and maybe this is more of an American view that just isn't true in football, so I apologize if it's not. There are financial realities where clubs will pressure managers to play the guy who's getting the big money, who's the superstar. Like, I, maybe, maybe that won't happen at Arsenal. Maybe it doesn't happen as much in football. But, like, I remember <laughs> when, when Chelsea bought Shevchenko, and he was garbage, and, like, Roman was basically like, you're going to play him, period. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, let's just think back to start of last season. I think the start of last season, when Eddie was ahead of Lacazette. He was sharper, he was in better form, he was yep. pressing. Mm-hmm. And then it's then it Lacazette responded and said, I want my shirt back. Right. And he mm-hmm. and he started to play properly and run around. But this is what we want. We want this. We want this. And they expect it. This is not a this is not a crash anymore. You've got to do it. You've got to come in, you've got to train well. You've got to do it in training. You've got to do it in games. If you only get fifteen minutes, you better do it in fifteen minutes. It's as simple as that. And that's how you change things. That's how you change your life. That's what Smith Rowe did. He changed his life. He came in at Chelsea last year and he's come in and here we are. What's the date? Seven months later, he just signed an adult contract for 30, 40 grand a week, no doubt. And he's got number 10 on his back. He has changed his life by what he has done on the pitch. Yeah. No, it's very, that's what very we fair. want to encourage that. We want to but encourage But let's that. not forget, you know, Smith Rowe went to Huddersfield. He had a loan, right? He played first team football and impressed there. I, I think people sometimes forget, like, Clive, we've, we have fallen for the spell of thinking some youth team players are going right to the top who don't, right? So it is a very hard level of football to figure out what it means, right, to it's step very, up. It's really hard. We talked about this before the podcast, wasn't it? Player assessment, player yeah. evaluation. It's a massive topic. We could talk about it all night. But I will not worry about a player bursting through doing well and thinking, what's going to happen to the guy we spent 300 grand a week? I, I don't give a monkey's. If oh, yeah, I'm not worried corner, about it. I'm, not, I'm saying, will he get the chance at all, is all I'm saying. Not that I'm worried. Like, I could care less. Play the I, think, I, mean, I think this manager has shown he'll give young players a chance to play. Yeah. I think he's done that. And and I really hope that Balogun can put enough pressure on these older players. I mean, you know what? Bamiang, when Bamiang signed his contract, you know the line that really caught me? He said, it's, it's a club I want to be. I want to be a legend here, blah, 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 the normal stuff. But he said, we've got a group of young players here, and they are coming, and they are coming like fire. Mm. And I always remember that. I thought, yeah, he knows what's, what's going on. He trains them every day. He trains with Balogun. He trains with Saka. He trains with Smith and Martinelli. They're not little flowers. They're coming, mate. They're coming for the shirts. And we gotta we gotta sit back and enjoy it and see what happens. Fair enough. All right. Well, I will enjoy it. I love our young players. And I all I want is to see them thrive. I am here for them to thrive. So let's just be clear about my my um my needs, my wants, my goals here. They are they are honest and true and pure of heart. Uh Paul's on Twitter, pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We have uh, Tim coming back tomorrow and and then so going forward, just a little scheduling issue, but we, we love Tim and we can't wait to hear from him uh, to sort us all out. So that, that is coming. Uh, there is an analytics pod that's going to be really, really interesting um, from Scott on Patreon that will be out today if you want to check that out. So in other words, it is time for the outro. And uh, you know what? You know what, Andrew? I don't even know who we play next. So, turnabout's fair play, my friend. We love you, and we will talk to you after. Emil Smith, row 10, Aston Villanil. 